Go Ask Alice is a show intended for adult audiences because adults want to learn too. Sometimes we cover sensitive material, so please take care of yourselves and listener discretion is advised. Now on to the show. Hello, internet friends, and welcome back to another episode of Go Ask Alice. I'm Sarah, and I'm a little sleepy today. With me is... I'm Gene, and I now have three titanium plates inserted into my left foot. I have been rebuilt better, stronger, and faster. He's the bionic man. I am. (laughs) Except none of those things are true. I am not better, stronger, or faster. I feel weak as hell right now. Everybody send your love towards Gene, please. Thank you, thank you. So this is the show where we start on a random Wikipedia page, wander around the internet until we find something metrically interesting and we have to share it all with you. This week we started on the pain for, we started on the pain? This (laughs) week we started on the page for champagne. Where did you end up, Jean? I ended up on a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Unassuming, unassuming little plant called duckweed. Do you know? I know of duckweed. You know of? All right, all right. I know of, only because I think it's going to be really helpful for um, using it in space for different... Oh, this is exciting. This is exciting already because, oh, (laughs) yeah, I went into like the where it's going with the future in science. So this is good. This is good. I'm, I'm hyped. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, I'm very excited about duckweed. I did not land on a plant. <laughs> I landed on uh, the history, history's most famous feminist protest, also known as the Greenham Common Women's Peace Camp, which I had no idea I'd never heard about this before. So I can't wait to blow your mind. Ooh, I can't wait to have my mind blown. <laughs> First, we should start on question of the week. What was this week's question? Oh, so this week's question is, what album do you know every single song on? You want to go ahead and answer, Sarah? Sure. Um, This was hard because I feel like I know a lot of songs on a lot of albums, but the only one that right now I could confidently be like, yes, I can list every single song is probably Taylor Swift's Midnight oh. because I've listened to it so much. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I knew you were going to say Judging. Uh, no. Judging. But we do have some listener answers, which I'll pop in as well. So one of our listeners, Geist, over on Discord said that they loved Gorilla, uh, Gorilla Demon Days and that they could list all of the songs on that at one point in time. And we also had our friend Moth, who liked Ada Rock's Angel Angel Electronics, which I must admit, I have never heard of. But if they like it, I'm sure it's good. I'm what about you? Jim? I'm awful with music, like awful. So when I read this question, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I don't know. Like, I literally don't know. And then I was like, wait a minute. I like am literally obsessed with Lady Gaga. So immediately I was like, art pop 2013. Mm. I know like every fucking oh song my on that God. album. <laughs> Art pop, yes. Art pop. That is one of the best Lady Gaga albums. It is, it is. Did you ever see her in tour, like in person for the concert of that album? I'm I'm not big on like in-person concerts. I'm always just like, meh, it's just like a worse version of like what's on Spotify. Not with Lady Gaga. I will, she, honestly, if next time in America, if I'm in America and there's a Lady Gaga tour, I'm going to drag you I've seen clips and it looks amazing. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just not about the the concert experience. I'm a weirdo. I don't know what. I'm a shut in. I'm an introverted shut in. That's okay. That is okay. We love the Gaga. Some more, some more uh, listener submissions. We had um, Goshawks Only Fly, aka Mac, loves uh, Wide Awake by the Parkett Courts, and Drew, um, our very own Drew, had. Quite the range from Pop Food by Jack Stauber all the way to the Doom original soundtrack. For those of that that don't know, mm. Doom is a video game where you blow up alien <laughs> aliens. So <laughs> there's that. That would be like Drew to know all of the songs on like a a, yes. a score soundtrack. I get it. I get it. There's a lot of good video game OSTs out there, so I totally I totally get that. Yeah. So if you want to play along with our question of the week and get featured on the podcast, you can jump over to Twitter or hop on our Discord where we have a permanent invite always open in our show notes and come hang out and answer the questions and get to know us a little bit more. Who, where should we start? I don't know. Do you want to start on Duckweed? Do you want want to flip a coin or I'm happy to start as well? Well, I feel like if you start, then if you start to feel in pain, 
afterwards, then you don't have to talk that much. Oh, that's nice. Okay, we could do that. I, I should I should be fine though. I, okay. I just said I did like a six hour D and D thing yesterday, so we should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If I can get through that, All I can right. get through this. Um, we'll see. <laughs> so I reckon we start with you. Jean on duckweed because I'm really keen to hear all of the nitty gritty details because I've heard this as like one of those um like the things that people just chuck into conversations yeah because it's like the future of so and so and I don't think I actually truly understand it enough so I'm very excited yeah. and I, I mean I hope I can do it justice um it's just it's just something I've, I mean it's uh, a plan it is a plan and I you, love plans I'm gonna make it sound great <laughs> <laughs> all right so are you ready for this little journey? I am. Yes. Duckweed, also known as Lemnoidea, I hope I'm saying that right, <laughs> is a subfamily of tiny aquatic plants that free float on or just below the water's surface. Freshwater, mind you. And this little plant has a pretty shitty reputation with, like, the common man, so to say, because people think it's unsightly <laughs> and they just don't get it. They're like, this is nasty, like, oh. green toxic sludge like clogging up my pond. I don't like this. If if you're not un- if you're not familiar with duckweed, uh I'm sure everyone has seen it at one point or another without realizing it. They look like little clusters of miniature lily pads or clovers just floating on water. Sometimes they're so small you can't even tell that they have like a shape to them. It's just like a layer of like this beautiful bright green. I'm actually going to um I think it's beautiful. I do too. It's- it's always very like magical looking. I'm posting in a little chat where we can um, view images. There's three different types. Sarah, do you want to <gasps> yes. g- take a jab? Yes. So we've got, okay. So we'll start with the biggest. So we've got a bigger one that kind of looks like, just like what Jean said, like clovers, quite the same size as like a big clover mm-hmm. growing. And then on the other end, we've got the tiny, tiny little one that just looks like tiny little, almost like eggs. Tiny, tiny little, little eggs. Bug eggs. And then there's like one that's kind of in the middle that's a bit more fluffy looking um, and in the middle of being super small to reasonably big. Right. They all look magical. I think they all look so they much They do fun. look magical. They're like one of my favorite plants ever. So what Sarah described first was greater duckweed or what is known as greater duckweed. It's large as as like how would you say like how would you explain like those little clover leaves are like they can fit onto like the tip of your finger but and like cover it right i would say they get big yeah greater duckweeds and these are um they usually have like multiple little rootlets and then once you jumped to the little tiny egg looking ones this is actually known as water meal related or like kind of um synonymously with cornmeal because it's so small oh that it looks like cornmeal so it's 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 little water meal and this actually usually floats underneath just underneath the water surface because it's so small it can't float on top um you'll you'll often find this growing among lesser and greater duckweed and then speaking of lesser duckweed that's the one right in the middle um between the large one and the tiny one and they look like little sprouts, little leaf sprouts, little leaf sprouts um, with usually just one or two little rootlets coming off of them. Interesting fact about watermeal, which is that tiny, tiny one, the wolfia genus of duckweed includes the smallest known flowering plant on earth, measuring at only 0.3 millimeters long. Oh my god, I want to see the flower. The tiniest thing. Um, so these plants can be found in slow-moving or stagnant bodies of fresh water, such as lakes, swamps, ponds, creek inlets, and ditches. I'm sure that's where we've all seen them at one point or another. Actually, um, little anecdote, when I was younger, I had an aquarium and um, I took some wild duckweed and put it in there and it thrived and the fish loved it oh. and it was beautiful. Love it, love it, love it. Um, that's such a good idea. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really nice and it, like... Um, it actually pulls a lot of like, well, I mean, we'll get into it, but it pulls a lot of like all that like buildup that the fish poop and whatnot. Yeah, like it thrives yes. off of that, thrives. Um, so if you're into aquaponics or whatever. Oh, your fish were lucky. Mine just had shitty painted shells. Oh, sad. If you're into aquaponics, definitely consider duckweed as part of your thing. Aquaponics? Is that aquaculture? <laughs> Did I just make up a word? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know what I'm fucking saying. TM, TM, TM. <laughs> and anyway, um, these plants mostly reproduce asexually, meaning like just one of these little clusters can produce like thousands of clones off of itself. Oh my god. I love that for it. I know. And they reproduce <laughs> super rapidly, like super crazy rapidly. Like I think the only thing that re- like grows faster is kelp, basically. This is especially true in nutrient-rich waters that are full of nitrates and phosphates, which as you can imagine is like fish poop, basically. Right? 
right? Mm, yeah. Nice. So to spread, pretty straightforward. It relies on birds and small mammals to carry them on their bodies and feet. So like a little duck will swim around and it'll get stuck in its feathers and feet and it'll fly to another pond. And look at that. There's duckweed in the other pond all of a sudden, like a beaver or whatnot. <laughs> Same shit. Except, except the flying part, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I'd pay to see a beaver, uh, a beaver flying. Oh my god! Yeet. Just using its little tail. So I'm gonna <laughs> quickly get into like the like the basic like what purpose it serves, and then we're gonna get into like the more like whoa, wait, you can do what with this? Okay. So basically, shade and shade and shelter is what it provides to wildlife and nature in where it thrives uh, naturally. Uh, duckweed provides shelter for baby fish, which are known as fry, for frogs to hide from like you know those storks that try to like stab at them and whatnot um yeah storks are terrifying they are (laughs) adult fish like bluegills aka sunnies i don't know do you have those in australia sunnies i sunnies sounds familiar but i can't picture they're like the super generic Mm -hmm. lake fish that everyone's usually familiar with i'm gonna google it right yeah they like to hide under those um but like oh they're cute they are cute yeah maybe we have them they're pretty generic looking you're right (laughs) they are (laughs) But yeah, all sorts of aquatic creatures love to hide under them, which makes sense because they fully cover the water surface, or at least in certain areas, like at least like the shallows will be covered. So like where those like storks and everything are hunting for those little crayfish and whatnot, like they're safe under the duckweed. Um, They help to minimize light generated algal growth which can clog up and ruin waterways, mm. which is also really nice because I know, like, I have, I've seen in, like, nature news a lot, like, algae is a big thing, especially in oceans, which obviously doesn't count in this case, but, like, algae blooms, like, literally fucking ruin ecosystems because they just clog everything up. It, yeah. So duckweed helps with they that. They kill people, too. Really? What? Yeah, yeah. So if you have, there's certain types of algae that release, I forget what type of gas it is. It could just be CO2, but they're pretty sure they, like, this happened a couple years ago. There was a family that was hiking, like, a mom dad little baby look like dogs like just hiking and they found them all deceased and they were like what the hell happened and it turned out that they probably ended up getting i think it was i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure it was like carbon monoxide poisoning basically like too much co2 not enough oxygen and they were down hiking in a freshwater like river area where there was an algae that's like a uh, a special type that's like an oxygen dead zone yeah, yeah. That's fucking crazy. And it happens, um, it's like in Australia, there'll be certain types of algae where it, it's not the oxygen dead zone, but there's another type of, I think it must just be poisonous if you eat it, but they, they warn that like, don't put your dogs anywhere near the, the creeks because it's dangerous. They should throw some duck, duckweed in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, today we learned uh, algal blooms can fucking murder your ass. Murder you? So that's... So there's that. But yeah, duckweed helps with that because it blocks off the light um, to where it would thrive naturally underneath, uh, which makes sense. Interestingly, it can also help control the breeding of blood-sucking mosquitoes, which we all as humans fucking hate um, because, (laughs) again, it covers up the surface. So the larva underneath need to like go up to the surface and like do their little pipette thing through the surface, but they can't because there's all that duckweed like preventing them from going up. So fuck you, mosquito babies. Get wrecked. And then um, lastly, I found this to be interesting too, and I don't know if it can be utilized maybe on smaller scale projects, but um, it helps to actually reduce evaporation from small bodies of water. And I know like in the news again, like it's like huge, like lakes are drying up, rivers are drying up due to like, what's the word? Like not illegal, but like unrestricted, I guess, agricultural practices and just like climate change and all that. So I'm thinking I'm like, maybe they, I know they have like those like shade balls. They're like big plastic black balls that they flood reservoirs with, but that's like plastic they're right? expensive like, you know, too oh the shade balls yeah, yeah. and I, I i read the shade balls only have like a, a 10 year um why am i like so bad with words today they like they can only like maintain their form for 10 years until they start like breaking down right right so then you have to get it or oh, especially if it's in like a clean water source yeah potentially it could be used as like with its shade factor to like prevent evaporation or like at least minimize or like slow down reduce whatever <laughs> evaporation <laughs> it's, it, all i'm saying is there's a lot of potential Potential, natural potential here. That's what I'm we trying like to get. We like the duckweed. It's got potential. We love the duckweed. So that's shade and shelter, and then obviously food, right? Like it's in the name. Ducks love this shit. Yeah. And it's it's not <laughs> it's not just because it's there. It's also like super high in protein and other like nutrients. So like yeah. waterfowl such as ducks, duh, and geese uh, eat this stuff. Fish like carp and koi, like yeah. Those little not little. They're 
freaking massive. They're big. They, they're like the size of a small cat. They love duckweed, um, turtles, beavers, mice, like even insects and snails. Like they'll eat it, not when it's alive, Aww. but like when it's decaying. So it like feeds a lot of natural wildlife. Um, and it's like super good for everything that eats it. Interestingly, duckweed is consumed as a poor person's food in Laos, Thailand, and Myanmar, which I think is hilarious because it's like poor person's food, right? It's like, oh, well, it's like crappy food. But like in reality- But it's like so nutrient dense. It's so good for, it's for those- It's way better than the, no offense um, to, to America, but it's like way better to have, you know, something with duckweed in it than French fries or like cheap cheaper fast food. That would be considered yeah. better food because it's probably more calorie dense, but it's not better for you. Right. And Israel, um, which Israel, by the way, they just seem to be on top of it. Like they're very ahead on like food and like mm. get, getting there with tech and whatnot. Like Israel has caught on to this and they've actually been cultivating it for a while as a vegetable for like sale Ooh. in their country. Uh, I've so they know. it's delicious. Like I've heard if you make like a noodle dish yes. and then put it in, garnish it, it's delicious. Dude, perfect timing because I'm literally about to go into like how it's it's going to be a thing in the future and it actually is delicious. <laughs> um, so Wolfia, the, the Wolfia genus, those that little like cornmeal looking mm. one, the water meal, yeah, yeah. the tiny, tiny, tiny one. Um, this is the one that has like super potential as a superfood in the future. Like it's currently being researched and whatnot and like trying to be cultivated as a, as a superfood because, 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 um, first of all, it apparently it tastes like sweet cabbage, which oh, I'm down um, for because I love cabbage. Me too. Get this. I, I read this and I, my mouth <laughs> dropped open because, you know, I'm vegan. I eat soy all the time. It, it's it's good. It's a really good source of protein. Don't, whatever. You said soil then. I'm like, No, so, soy, soy. <laughs> like soybeans. <laughs> <laughs> Not soil. <laughs> Please. I mean, sometimes maybe by accident. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, get this, uh, Wolfia, right? The, the, the little tiny one. It contains about seven times as much protein as soy does oh for the same God. amount that you would eat. Seven times. And like and soy probably, is known as like the vegan standard. Yeah. And it's probably got less estrogen in it because that's a problem with soy. It's yeah, it, think, phyto, uh, photoestrogen. Yeah. Phy, estrogen. Yeah. Did you say estrogen? Is that how you say it in Australia? Estrogen. Estrogen. estrogen? Yeah. You say sorry, estrogen over here. No, it's fine. Yeah. Because it can, it can cause like hormonal imbalances, like especially. Especially if you if you're a person that has um like polycystic ovarian issues and endometriosis and things like that, if you eat too much soy, you end up having the worst time, which sucks for us veggie vegans out there. Yeah, unfortunate. But uh, seven times as much as soy. I'd eat it. I'd give it a go. We're talking about like a complete amino acid protein profile, not just like some of the amino acids. Mm -hmm. It's like equivalent to basically an egg. I think I remember reading, I think oh in Thailand, it's, it's called like egg of the water or something like that because it's got the full profile in there. Like That's incredible. Um, it's super rich in omega-3 fatty acids. It's got like super good dietary fiber, minerals, and vitamins. And this was another thing where I was like, what? <laughs> B12, vitamin B12, it's supplemented into everything, like into our cereals and whatnot. But like specifically, it's harder for like vegans to get B12 because a lot of it will also be naturally in um, like beef or whatever, because like mm. cows basically get it, back, get it from bacteria that's in the ground and then it's like yeah. in their poop and it comes out, but like eventually gets like absorbed into their meat. And then, you know, omnivores get it from meat plus supplements from wherever else. But like vegans, they literally have to like, like supplement it either via vitamins or like nutritional yeast or whatnot, which half of nutritional yeast as well is supplemented with it. It doesn't mm. naturally have it there. Apparently duckweed is loaded with natural B12 somehow. A 2019 study showed that 100 grams of duckweed contains approximately approximately 750% of the US recommended daily value of B12. 750%. Oh God. Already naturally in there. And 100 grams is really not that much. It's like a little handful. No, that's like a little, if you made it into like a little tofu patty. Basically, right, right. That's incredible. Why can't we buy this at the shop? I, I want to. I literally want to. Um, yeah. I, I was thinking maybe like it might be possible to like grow your own. Because like I said, like duckweed is stupid easy to grow. All you'd have to do is like rinse it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As long as you've got a clean environment, you should be fine. I feel like even if you rinse it, it depends. I, I guess it depends on how you cultivate it. I mean, the research is happening right now. Yeah, I can't wait for the future. Look out for duckweed in 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 the future because it's a it's a fucking superfood. And then we're not talking about like oh kale's a superfood. No, this shit like pisses all over kale. <laughs> <laughs> 
stupid kale. I'm making that a poster. <laughs> You're making everything a poster. You can come and join our Patreon where we will have fun little posters. For the record, I hate kale, so fuck you, kale. Do you? Have you had kale chips? They're yummy. Yeah, I ha I've had everything kale, and every time I'm like, no, <laughs> this is trash. Really? I don't know why anyone I likes this. I love it. So we'll quickly jump into like a few of the problems with duckweed before we go into like the super awesome potential beyond being a superfood to wrap up. So there's really only two problems with duckweed. One is very superficial. The other one is kind of a huge issue. Um, we'll start oh, with the huge okay. issue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> duckweed is highly invasive like highly, nice. highly, highly invasive and prolific. Um, as I said before, it like explodes in growth, especially in like specific environments where there's a lot of that like nutrient dense water. And because it thrives in those types of waters, duckweed can be detrimental to native species that typically grow in low nutrient um, locations. I think there was a name for it, but I don't, I don't remember. But for I have an example. So like the Everglades, believe it or not, are a very low nutrient location. And if you don't know what the Everglades are, they're in Florida. It's this massive, massive wetland system in Florida, like Florida's kind of known for it, the Everglades, because there's a lot of- Is this where the alligators are? Yeah, a lot of unique wildlife. Yeah. It's it's kind of like, I would describe it as like swamp, swampy, but like, I don't know, just like life. Like it's an abundance yeah. of like natural life there. Um, and it's it's struggling right now with like invasive species. Um, I think it's, is it boas or anacondas or something like that? And African snails and all oh, this stuff. Yeah. But yeah, an example of this being a problem is in Florida, duckweed sometimes gets into the Everglades and and as some of us may know or may not, lately there's been a lot of like bad lawmaking in Florida where agricultural runoff is just allowed to just go wherever the hell it wants with farmers yeah. and all this shit. Fertilizers, like all this contaminated waste and whatnot runs off. Half of it ends up in the ocean and like pollutes it there. Oh like we, we've seen how like all the manatees and everything have been dying. And then half of it ends up in the Everglades where it's like I said, a low nutrient environment. And now it's suddenly flooded with all these nutrients and all it takes is one or two specks of duckweed to just explode and drown everything out. Um, so I think it's called sawgrass that like the Everglades is known for. There's this aquatic plant that's called sawgrass that a lot of the animals depend on there and when duckweed explodes and covers every all of that shallow water um and blocks out the sun sawgrass cannot grow which completely displaces like portions of the everglades mm. by ruining everything from the from the bottom up so that's that's a huge problem with duckweed yeah well it's not meant to be in, it's not meant to be in that ecosystem and then it's not people are changing the ecosystem yeah and like it's it's i didn't look into how it got there or whatnot but like normally normally can't really thrive there anyway. So like, even if it was there, it wouldn't thrive because of low nutrient. But once that runoff gets there, game over. That makes me so sad. I know, <laughs> it's it's bad, but what can you do? Hopefully uh, change some laws around and punish people yeah. for being assholes. So that's one problem. That's the big problem with duckweed. And then the, um, the little superficial problem is what I kind of mentioned earlier on is where people think it's really fucking ugly and horrible and <laughs> it's, just, it's just misunderstood. So um, like, again, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a really cool plant, but people think it's like fucking hideous and it looks like toxic green sludge and it's quote unquote, which is hilarious, polluting their lakes and ponds, <laughs> even though in reality, it's actually sucking pollutants out of their lakes and ponds, but whatever. Details, right? Um, so people <laughs> will, will go out of their way to like literally hire people to like skim it all out and like, which oh, also no. disturbs lakes and whatnot. So like, that's kind of problematic, but it's not as bad because it's easier to recover. And from what I understand, it's kind of a lost cause because like, again, if you miss one little leaflet, it's gonna come back. Superficially, people think it's gross and ugly and they'll go out of their way oh. to get rid of it because they think it's toxic and doing more harm than good when in reality Those it's doing amazing things usually. Um, so then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wrap up with the potential yes. of duckweed in the future and science. Yes. I'm excited. I wanna eat this shit. Like I, I wanna, wanna eat this on my shit. plate. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I mean sweet cabbage, I fucking love cabbage. Mm, I love cabbage. I love a good coleslaw. Imagine like a duckweed coleslaw. Coleslaw. Oh my god. <gasps> that would probably be the Oh my god, Sarah. <laughs> you got me thinking now, Sarah. <laughs> I love coleslaw. Oh my gosh, that would be so good. 
It'd be so good because I bet it would be a little bit sweet. Dude, I'm starving now. Damn it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Right. We'll move along. We'll move along. Um, and maybe you can add to, because I didn't I didn't see anything about space, but I did see clean energy and filtration. Mm. So maybe it, that that's incorporated into space somehow. Maybe you could add it. We'll start with clean energy. Duckweed is currently being studied as a possible cost-effective source of clean energy in the United States, perhaps elsewhere as well, but I only saw the United States. As we record this, the Department of Energy, Rutgers University, and North Carolina State University all have ongoing projects to determine its viability. It's a good candidate for biofuel because it uh, reproduces on its own like crazy, which we already established, but it also has five to six times more starch than corn per unit of area and does not contribute to global warming. And I don't, I don't know if you know anything about corn, but that shit sucks every nutrient it can get its nasty little roots on out of the soil. <laughs> So like corn needs to be like hardcore fertilized, which again, runoff. And then like it literally just depletes soil of all nutrients. Yeah. So duckweed for the same amount of area produces five to six times starch, which is what they can use to convert into biofuel, ethanol. Um, some some stats, up to 40% of corn produced in the, U in the US is used to make ethanol, which is a, like a biofuel basically. Yeah. Um, in 2021, corn made up 13% of the total ethanol production in the US. So 40% of the corn made in the States 13% of that made up ethanol in the end. So like imagine five to six times more potential with duckweed for the same amount without the global warming aspect of it. Like this has insane potential if they can pull it yeah. off, like insane. So that's very exciting to me at least. <laughs> and, and then additionally, duckweed, um, like I said, doesn't not it doesn't it doesn't contribute to global warning warming um it actually removes co2 from the atmosphere based on how it grows which can benefit climate change mitigation efforts by reducing the emission of human-made greenhouse gases so like not only mm. not only will it like produce more potential for biofuels it actually simultaneously be removing co2 from the atmosphere which is like how could you not want this to be the future of biofuels? Yeah. so that's super exciting to me and then um filtration which is kind of interesting um from what i read this is more of an art right now than a science because they're trying to figure out how to cultivate it and raise it in systems where there's you know toxins and pollutants and whatnot but basically because it grows so quickly in nutrient-rich waters as you can imagine you would want to put it into wastewaters for bio uh, bioremediation which is basically putting natural organisms into places that are polluted to naturally filter them out instead of like you going in there with pipes and siphons and all mm. that crap because that's just uh, you know obstructive um duckweed is perfect for this because it's super hungry as we said for nitrogen and phosphates as mentioned before high levels of nitrogen and phosphates can be found in both fertilizer runoffs and human-made wastewaters so right now i think in, i believe it was sweden maybe switzerland one of those two sorry i don't remember i didn't write it down i should have <laughs> They're literally trying to figure out how to put it into like human waste containment systems, which are like, they're efficient enough as is right now, but they're thinking if they can utilize duckweed right now, not only can it like improve the process by like literally sucking it out, right? And removing CO2 from the atmosphere again at the same time. Um, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I mean, you definitely, you definitely wouldn't want to eat this afterwards. Like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be contaminated. But like, no, but you could use it, it for biofuel. Exactly, exactly. You could absolutely use it for biofuel. So like, imagine like, I picture in the future like duckweed just being like incorporated into everything, like a little bit here, a little bit there, yeah. and like it's a whole process, like from start to finish, like how you begin to utilize it and like where it ends off on. But like it'll remove odors from those waste plants, like because you know it's poop. Nice. It smells bad. <laughs> like it, it, it literally removes odors. It'll remove like all those nasty nutrients from the waters, which will make the systems that they currently have set up filter that much more efficiently. Mm. And then you can put the water back into the into ecosystems. Yeah, and then Easier. like you said, once it's all done, you can scoop out the used duckweed and process it for ethanol because who cares it's it's a biofuel at that point like it's not gonna I make love a difference this future. i love this future too so like duckweed amazing water purifiers of untapped potential <laughs> that's all it is that's all it is i'm super excited to see it as a food as a biofuel and as a bioremediation agent in the future uh i did not see anything about space but i hope you can add something to it oh yeah they think you heard because it is so high in nutrients that it could be something that you grow so say you're going to mars which oh. takes a silly amount of time like months and months and months of travel <gasps> you could grow this it could help filter different things so you could help get it to pull some of the co2 out of the air even though you have co2 filters but like as a backup 
and you can eat it. Amazing. Um, actually, I lied. I did see something about this. <laughs> <laughs> you just jacked my memory. It, I didn't like see any detailed um, thing about it, but I did remember reading real quick that they think duckweed is going to be one of the first plants utilized for Mars colonization. Um, yes, duckweed and alfalfa. Alfalfa is not a water-based plant. It's delicious, right? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. like a microgreen. Um, but they think that both of them, because they can turn over nutrients in soils that are not good, especially yeah. alfalfa. So you'd use it to help start rechurning some nutrients. And then you would use all of the grown alfalfa as um, compost for things like starchy, starchy plants. Which is just, I mean, Mars is not looking too bad if you get a nice vegan diet out of no. it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go. Send me there. Fuck Earth. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> but there Amazing. you go. Well, thank you. I that was amazing. That duckweed is way, way more impressive than I even thought. Like the amount oh, no. of starch is insane. The amount yeah. of what was it? B twelve. B twelve, vitamin B twelve, which you normally don't find in plants. No, and it's expensive for the supplements. Yeah. Like oh my goodness, you heard it here. Not first, but you know we're jumping on the the duckweed train. Jean's now going to be the all the way to um, Mars. Yeah, Jean's going to be the Earth ambassador of duckweed for the future. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so we're jumping from duckweed that is going to save the Earth to the biggest feminist protest ever. Hell which yeah. their goal was to save the Earth. So I feel like we're on the same stream, on the same track here. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so if I say the Greenham Common Women's Peace Camp, does that ring any bells? No, I know. Like zero bells? I know nothing about history. I'm useless. You're not useless. Yeah. Um, but same here. Like when I read this, I was like, oh, I've never heard of that before. And then I started reading and I'm like, why haven't I heard of that before? It's kind of insane. So answer me this. What do you think it's about? So we know that it's a women's peace camp and a big feminist protest. What do you think they were camping and protesting about? Uh, does this have anything to do with free the nipple? No, no, but that are, is a are worthy we, cause. Are we talking this a worthy cause? Are we talking <laughs> earlier than free the nipple? Oh, yes. We're talking like uh, 80s. But it lasted 19 years. Wait, the 1980s? Yeah. Oh, that's not too far ago. Um, no. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, is it something to do with politics? Yes, yes. So my hint is that it's about nuclear weapons. <gasps> nuclear weapons? And it was a 19-year-long protest Wait. against them. Oh, the 80s. Wait, does this have to do with the Cold War? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, so about the Cold Not. Not, yes, no cheering for Cold War. Cold War <laughs> Um, <laughs> but yeah, so basically it was an entire 19 year long protest. It did not stop for 19 years and it was so not what I was expecting. So I wanted to give you a little bit of background um, and I wanted to shout out this article on uh, history hit by Lucy Davidson that helped like break down the timeline because you can imagine 19 years is a really yeah. long time to try to figure out what was happening so okay we're gonna set the scene it is the middle of the cold war coming to the end of the cold war but there's been literal decades of threats of nuclear arms being used and not only being tested but being used potentially yeah. if anyone gets on anyone's bad side there's the threat of the red button. I don't think we can fully appreciate now, having not grown up in the Cold War, just wait, how wait, wait. stressful Excuse that. Excuse me? <laughs> I... You are not that old. 84, baby. <laughs> 84? Yeah, you were a baby when I ended. <laughs> Listen, I was alive. He's trying to... <laughs> okay, so Gene was alive, but he was sucking his thumb like we didn't we didn't have to really experience the the fear of it not like the people who grew up in like the 60s and 70s like teenagers of that year like of that area era sorry um often have like some bizarro stories of like yeah we had like preparedness drills to figure out you know if there's if there's an alarm this is where we go to hide and i'm like oh wow okay which it just sounds insane so cold war right and this was at the time where the american uh, armed forces had made a deal with the Royal Air Force in Great Britain to store nuclear warheads on one of their bases because that was quite close to uh, the Soviet Union and it was going to be like a strategic plan. So 
England had the UK Ministry of Defence had agreed to this and had said that there was going to be, you know, tens, dozens, really, of, of these nuclear-guided missiles that were going to be stored on this base in the middle of England. It was in the Greenham Common in Berkshire, England. So I can't even imagine what living through the Cold War would have felt like. It's a pretty scary. Uh, and I think it would have been even scarier to know that you were going to have missiles actively stored in a known location. So part of this fear was that they had made it known that this was going to be the location where this was stored, which, again kind of built up this threat of, well, if if any of the non-allies are going to target a location, this would probably be one of them, right? So the people living around this area were really not happy. So people in the UK wanted to protest against not just the missiles being stored, but Cold War in general, Wait, can I, the fact that it was just... Can I interrupt? Yeah. Why did they make it yeah. known? Like, it seems like the government I would be like, know. there's no way we're going to let these people know. There's going to be total, like, backlash. I don't know. And I don't know whether it's like a legality thing. Like, I've, I don't know how true this is, but I've heard in some places in the States, there will be regions that are told that there's the possibility of you know, there's nuclear silos, here's an evacuation sound, and if you hear it, you need to leave. Oh, well, I guess that makes sense. And I don't know how true that is, but I think I have heard that for different different areas. And it kind of makes sense, because you kind of have a responsibility to... Yeah. Because it is a volatile... It's not volatile, but if it's... I mean, I would definitely if hope... something goes wrong... I would definitely hope my government tells me <laughs> if they're storing nuclear yeah. weapons near me. But, like, I don't trust them to do it. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know because I feel like because I feel like there's a lot of places where it's just known that there are active weapons being stored in different places. I Good for them. get it, but also <laughs> I get why people were terrified because they're like, "Oh, great, cool. Thank you yeah. for advertising that to the world." Um, so people were obviously pissed and they wanted to protest it because they didn't appreciate what the cold war was about anyway so when this was first announced 26 women from a welsh group called the women for life on earth descended upon the common and changed themselves to the fence descended now, upon. they didn't just descend upon yeah they didn't just descend upon like hop in a bus or a car they literally walked for hours and hours and hours from their town to this town protesting uh, the way the way they got there the way that you made it sound descended upon i was like on their broomsticks ah they'd be so powerful um chained themselves to the fence of this uh air force barracks right that being said so there was only 26 women it was quite small it was the early days of the protest and this couple days was described as like a festival-like environment so people started to come down and join because they heard that these women were protesting come down people had campfires and tents and music and barbecues like it was kind of like a a tailgate experience yeah (laughs) exactly and it was it was characterized and described as like a happy but determined protest i love that yeah i love it too like i get girl power uh it turned a little bit more serious very quickly though so in February of 1982, it was decided that the protest should only involve women only. And this was important because the women utilized their identities as mothers to legitimize this protest against nuclear weapons in the name of safety for their children and future generations. It's always about the children, isn't it? It's always about the children. Always. We love our children. <laughs> but there's no there's no bond like the bond between the mother and child. <laughs> So they say. <laughs> so they say. We we wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The bond between me and my greyhound's pretty strong. <laughs> uh, you're a cat mom and I'm a... How dare you? I'm a cat dad. You're a cat dad. <laughs> How dare you gender, gender roll me? <laughs> you're a cat parrot. <laughs> so by March 1982, there were 250 women actively protesting at this camp. So Damn. it's been going on for about a month two months now 250 people the next couple of months the police tried to move the camps but the women would just relocate and still held pretty strong by this time media attention was starting to happen because people were interested in this super long and hard protest little did they know within um with this attention they built enough momentum to like try and encourage more people to come down and protest against these nuclear weapons against the cold war And so they built this momentum around something they called Embrace the Base. And they wanted to have enough women come around, hold hands. This is a little bit like, um, oh, what is that movie? I can't remember the movie name. It might come to you. 
Um, but at the end where all of the clones from underground were holding hands across America. What? Was it us? <laughs> what? Was the movie us? Sorry, Van, I've got a brainwave. I've got to, I've got to see if it was us. Yes, it was us. I was going to say, us, was it iRobot? <laughs> no, no, it was Jordan Peele's us. And uh, spoilers, at the end, they had a heap of people holding hands trying to cross America. This kind of, this was a very Cold War era thing where people would embrace to protest. So they raised all of this awareness to be like, we want to hold hands around the base so we can protest. And they damn well did. So a whopping 30,000 women turned out and surrounded the Greenland Common, holding hands, <laughs> embracing the base. Oh, they, they cast a strong spell. All witches, guaranteed. insane? <laughs> <laughs> they were cast in a vet. <laughs> so that happened. Just a couple months later, a similar thing happened, but this time it was more than double the size when a massive 70,000 protesters formed a 14-mile-long human chain linking three nearby cities around the base. What the fuck? How have I never heard of this? Me too, right? 14 like, miles of people holding hands? <laughs> it's insane. What the fuck? <laughs> it's amazing. So this same month, 200 women had actually entered the base dressed as teddy bears to look childlike, the symbol of, you know, innocence. being a toy, being being innocent. Yeah. yeah, against the stark contrast of the highly militarized and male-heavy atmosphere of the base. So that was a chaotic month for, for these ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so now this all of this happened before which i got to this part in the article and was like what so all of this happened before the missiles even arrived from the u.s to the uk oh well, hell yeah preemptive action come on exactly so they were trying really hard to be like just don't bring them move them somewhere else uh it did not we also just so, so you did... know we've cursed the place with our seventy thousand people and our magic yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Our magic, our magic binding circle. <laughs> our feminist magic. Um, so the missiles did start to arrive at the base in late 1983. Bastards. And obviously people were pierced. So they arranged another protest. This time there was around 50,000 people who circled the base in protest against uh, these, these cruise missiles. That's what they were called. Uh, and now this wasn't just a hand-holding exercise this time. This time... All of these people had some sort of mirror that they could hold up and shine on the base so that the base could reflectively, oh, sorry, so the base could symbolically reflect upon its actions. Ah. Um, and the day started as a silent vigil. So everyone was very, very quiet, holding their mirrors, making the base reflect upon what it's doing, which I love. Dude, I love the energy. That probably looked beautiful. Yeah, I want to, like, like a, I didn't see that much footage. Like a disco but I ball. I to go back. Yeah. So it started peaceful. Uh, it did end with hundreds of arrests and hundreds of arrests as women chanted, are you on the side of suicide or are you on the side of homicide? Are you on the side of genocide? Which side are you on? Uh, and they pulled down large sections of fence in their protests, which that's a damn good chant. <laughs> that, I'm... Like, what other options are there? Those are those are all bad options. They were all bad options. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, which I guess is the point. Yes. Yeah. So these protests kept going on for a whopping nine years, right? Nine whole years until the year is now 1991 when the total missile removal was achieved. So they started pulling all the missiles out and eventually there was no cruise nuclear missiles stored there. Um, now, I said that this was a 19-year-long camp, and that's because it didn't stop the protests. So one person who protested and lived there for 17 whole years um, until the U.S. military was completely removed from the base was Sarah Hipperson. Uh, and in her years of protesting for peace, she was arrested over 20 times, Damn. but became a symbol of woman power, uh, even appearing in the documentary Margaret Thatcher, The Woman Who Changed Britain. So, oh, you know. I Wait, I'm, I might have seen that. Or am I thinking of the the the, the movie? Oh, the Iron Lady. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the Iron Lady. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, that was a good movie. It was a good movie. <laughs> Meryl Streep can just do anything. She can. <laughs> Sorry. So, no, no, it's all good. So there were so many different protests during this time, but one highlight was when. 44 women climbed over the military base's fence, climbed on top of these silos, and danced around on them for hours, 
all of the women were arrested and 36 were in prison. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, good effort, though, ladies. Good effort, good effort. So the base was decommissioned and the site of the protest was turned into a memorial to honour the disarmament movement. The memorial consists of a garden with Welsh stone surrounding it. The memorial is meant to show peace and light against nuclear weapons, which I thought was quite lovely. I love that, yeah. Um, But yeah, that was the 19-year protest. And I must say there were some criticisms from from different... I guess people reflecting on it and one of the criticisms was some of these women lived there for well over a decade and some of the criticisms by by journalists and and other kind of spectators was well you're doing it for your children but you're not with your children oh that's bullshit and i'm like well they're they're doing it in the name for something greater good. Like, so that was one of the criticisms that they tried to use to... Well, um, well, well. I guess they should apologize for worrying about other people's children as well as their own. Jeez, like, yeah. way to nitpick. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I thought I'd chuck that in because you might, when you when you go read about it, you see things like that. And you're like, well, I mean, they've, they've, I've never stuck to anything for 19 years of my life. That's fucking ever. commitment right there. Except for being alive. <laughs> yes. So, like, that is commitment (laughs) damn who knew i mean i didn't no no idea no idea isn't that insane that's insane i mean like literally like just the fact that thirty thousand people linked arms and made a circle around the base and then like the fucking 70,000 with the fucking chain (laughs) (laughs) i still can't wrap my head around that that's that's the best thing it's the best thing isn't it insane i i love a good um peaceful protest i think it's you know, and they achieved the goal ultimately. Those missiles were removed, yeah. um, which we know because the Cold War, I guess, fizzled out. It kind of fizzled out. Um, it's it's people say it's out, yeah. it's ongoing, but like not taken seriously anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I was gonna say is like that. There's still nuke. There's that nuclear weapons oh, yeah. scattered all throughout the world. Everywhere. So they very much it could they could have stayed there in theory. And so obviously something, maybe it was the protesting. Maybe it was other political agendas um i do wonder but you know where did they get relocated to i'm gonna say your side of the world uh, probably yeah america's just <laughs> fucking full of nukes it's awful <laughs> so on the uh topic for another day but some of the nuclear testing that was done literally batshit crazy like i was watching i was making a video to talk about um there was a heap of nuclear test done in the upper atmosphere, which is just a terrible freaking <laughs> yes. idea. Terrible idea. There was a heap. There was one called Starfish Prime, which was just, it was it was insane. Um, it was above the uh, Bikini Apalago. Like, it was not good. But anyway, I was watching this, like, old footage, footage that had, like, recently been released by the U.S. government. And some of the footage was this one test that they did, I think it was in Nevada. It was on mainland U.S., And they were like, well, we've got to prepare our soldiers for nuclear fallout. So they had a nuclear bomb go off and then they had soldiers just a couple kilometers away in trenches. Those poor men had to sit there, sit through the nuclear blast. And now if anyone hasn't seen any of the footage, nuclear blast, not only is it just a big explosion, but it's a big wall of like radiative heat. Shockwave. It is so insanely hot. The shockwave is insane. And these people had to just lie on the ground while that went over them. Um, and some of this footage had some of the men interviewed being like, so how was it? And it was just like prime propaganda of, we're doing it to make our country great. Like, Ugh. it's it was bonkers. And you know, Highly recommend watching. most of those people have probably ended up dying from cancer. Or severe PTSD or that, issues. Yeah. Like, the poor things. Yeah, uh, not good. We're stupid. Humans are yeah, stupid. Uh, for for how smart we are, we are very stupid also. <laughs> we are incredibly stupid, unfortunately. <laughs> how have we made it this far? <laughs> There's um so obviously I'm an astrophysicist and a lot of the stuff that I talk about when I do like public stuff is is the possibility of aliens because everyone loves this idea of aliens right this topic again Um, but but one of one of the like one of the considerations is that we are not a peaceful species no we're not we haven't been peaceful for i don't think there's been an extended period time of peace ever we don't respect each other so like just the last couple hundred years of colonization and things like that like you, you we're not nice 
and there's this idea that we wouldn't last in a galactic like federation idea because in order to be so advanced that you could explore different star systems or you could inhabit multiple planets you'd have to be like a unified species and i think that's quite fascinating that we're just we can't even consider i would not i would not trust if i were an outside alien species or whatever and you had to become part of like a galactic force and prove yourself or whatever before you were allowed to colonize (laughs) before you got vaporized i would not trust humanity for a second based on everything (laughs) we we say and do in recent history and past history like there has been basically almost no learning and it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter how many good people there are with good intentions there's always it only takes a few people to fucking ruin all of it it's like the the flaw of human nature or whatever yeah and we see that now happening with like lawmaking yeah like voices of very few affecting very many which is very scary ongoing wars over over fucking what well on that note (laughs) (laughs) well that was fast i'm so glad i got to tell you about the women's protest i'm so glad i got to learn more about duckweed and i'm gonna go See if I can buy like duckweed seeds. I know, right? From my local bunny. I was a little worried <laughs> with this episode just being you and me because I was like, I don't know, like it's like three's three's the standard or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. We're both kind of like feeling like crap right now and whatnot. But fun. This turned out great. I love it. This did turn out great. Oh, so excited! Yeah, and we love you, audience, very much. For anyone who doesn't know, um, poor Gene is currently like the Bionic Man, as he said, oh, yeah. like. Barely, barely got a leg at this stage. <laughs> He's recovering. <laughs> He's recovering, but not doing too well. Um, and I've had a mega migraine. So both of us were like, oh, we're going to be not very entertaining. But I think we did good. I think we did well. Yes. Proud of us. Let, let us know in the reviews. Let us know how we did <laughs> review this episode and this podcast. <laughs> we would very much appreciate that. Or, you know, uh, join our Discord or, you know, comment on our social media on, uh, Sarah, you, you know all those things, don't you? Yeah. Go ask Alice podcast. You can Google us for Twitter and Instagram. You can join our Discord. We have a Patreon. If you want to pick the topics that we start out on or pick the question of the week, you can absolutely do that by joining the Patreon yeah. and you get little bonuses along the way. Um, and if you just enjoyed listening and you'd like to Help us out a little bit. Leave us a five-star review. Or as Lindsay says, hell, four stars. We will take it. <laughs> Anywhere you listen to your podcast. But, but we do have a preference lovely. for five. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything you can do to help us out would be wonderful because we love making this for you and we're so excited to start expanding to new ears. With that, we're going to say that we love everybody. Maybe we love Van this week. Everybody, including Van. <laughs> Everyone, including Van. Van is our incredible editor. She's amazing. So, so amazing. We couldn't do it without her. So, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye, Van. Oh, I forgot to mention that, like, you can't eat the greater one because it'll kill you. <laughs> yes, just don't eat the big one. Pond, like koi pond or pine, pond koi. Go looking fish.